ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Welcome to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast, everybody. Yep, my name is Sam Roberts. This is my wrestling podcast. And what a wrestling podcast we're going to have for you today. So much to get into. Of course, uh, I'm coming at you live this week from Los Angeles, California. Uh, Katie Linendahl and I attended Raw in Anaheim. Uh, The SmackDown tapings in Ontario. We'll get to everything there. We got a great interview. I'll tell you about the new t-shirts. So much going on on this week's podcast. Uh, We got delays in the UFC, possibly more retirements in WWE, headed towards Fastlane on Sunday. A lot to talk about, but before we get to any of it, let's get to this week's interview. By the way, you can get those new t-shirts on NotSam.com. I'll talk to you about them, but this week's interview, uh, I really like this week's interview uh, because it's with a guy who, to me... Pro wrestling is all about this guy. His name is Pat Buck. Pat, uh, he's a guy in his, uh, I don't know, he's a young guy. You know, he's 30-something. Not his late 30s. And all he's ever wanted to do was work in pro wrestling. And he worked with WWE's developmental for quite some time, trying to figure out where he fit in. Uh, He was going to be a wrestler for a while, at one point, he was going to be a referee. He was called up to the main roster to be a referee. He was brought to the building for Raw or SmackDown or whatever TV it was. And they would tell him things like, oh, actually, your hair is not right. Oh, actually, you're a little too short. Oh, you're a little too tall. Whatever it was, there was always something that was stopping him from doing what he was doing until he realized that all he was really being used for in developmental was to make the guys that they were going to call up look good. He was having great matches with the guys that they were calling up, and then they were sending those tapes up to the main roster, and all of a sudden, Pat stuck where Pat stuck. I guess I owe you guys a beer. You heard that phone. And the other guys that he's making look good are the guys that are are benefiting from it. So Pat ended up moving on, and what he's done is figured out how to make a living in pro wrestling. He, uh, not only by wrestling, because he started wrestling, but then he he went into partnership with another person to own and run the promotion Pro Wrestling Syndicate, which is an East Coast indie promotion. Uh, It it gained a lot of notoriety, a lot of buzz, uh, a lot went into it while he was running it for four years. He has left Pro Wrestling Syndicate and is announcing a brand new promotion that's starting next month here on the East Coast. It's a big, big deal for him. It's a big, big deal for East Coast indie wrestling. And it's a big time for him. So I thought this would be, and I've known him for many years, but I thought this would be the perfect time to finally get him on the wrestling podcast. So let me help him share his story with you. Here's Pat Buck on this week's wrestling podcast. 
And now, the Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast interview. Well, it's been a long time coming. Pat Buck is here with us on the podcast. What's going on, Pat? Uh, great to be here, finally. Yeah, I feel like it's been a super long time coming because we've known each other from before I was doing the wrestling podcast. Yeah, we're like real world friends, kind of. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it's always been like there needs to be a catalyst almost, you know, like there's cause guys are in town. And it's like, Oh, let me get this guy when he's yeah. in town. Let me get that guy when he's in town. And now there's a, there's a real catalyst and reason and, and thing to drive forward. I guess so. I mean, you've, you've referenced me on, on the show a couple of times. I'm thankful for that, but it's kind of right. hard. I feel like you kind of reach the mainstream audience of professional wrestling. So when they see like, you know, guests like Roman Reigns and Charlotte, then it's Pat Buck. Right. It's like, wait, what the heck is this? You know? You know, who cancels? Yeah. A lot but, of... <laughs> but I also think that, like, part of this, and that's why, and more recently, I've been doing stuff with more indie guys, because, uh, well, like, I definitely like doing mainstream interviews, but I think, like, wrestling is this whole big world, sure. and when you get lost just doing WWE stuff, you kind of fall into that thing of, no, 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 wrestling is just what's on TV Monday nights. Yeah. And it loses focus on on everything else that's kind of going on locally and nationally and internationally and and all this stuff that's happening. And that's kind of the world that you've been in now for years is leaving that sort of mainstream nest and figuring out how do I make a living in pro wrestling yeah. outside of that machine. Pretty much. I mean, I dedicated my life to not so much trying to be a WWE superstar, but at the time period, you know, I started in 2001. So, uh, within a year or two, goodbye, WCW, goodbye, ECW. And it's like the only way I saw to be, you know, someone in professional wrestling that could make it is obviously WWE. Right. So it was like independence. I tried for a couple of years and then it was, well, how do I, you know, if the end justifies the mean, I, I, I got against WWE. And for me, it was, you know, moving to the developmental systems and trying to make that work. Uh -huh. And for, you know, four and a half years at OVW and then another year at early NXT FCW and just, you know, kind of never getting that opportunity. And, you know, I'm not going to point blame. It, it could be my fault. could be someone else's fault. But I did everything. Timing. Timing. Timing is a big so part of it. It's weird the way all this stuff works. Sure. You know, and also I think at the it, timing and t the era of it, that the actual time of who's in charge and who's giving out the jobs. Right. If that one person doesn't like you for that time period, you're you're not getting in. And it just came to a whole career of hearing no, no, no. And I finally said, you know what? I got to do this my way and relocated back to, I guess, my home area of near New York, New Jersey and uh, started my own thing. So when you were in developmental OVW, that system. Did you have a developmental deal or were you – because things were different back then. Like yeah. now, if you're quote-unquote in developmental, if you're in NXT, the only people that are there are WWE developmental paid, paid talent. That's it. And no. When I moved there, what basically happened is I did the independence for – from like 2001 to roughly about 2004 – they had these tryout camps for OVW, which obviously is kind of the precursor to what we see at NXT. Mm -hmm. And there was basically they were giving out a few contracts to maybe one or two people at this big tryout. But they also gave a few people like myself the opportunity to kind of move down there, prove your worth and get to train alongside all the WWE contracted talent. 
And the way it kind of worked was, uh, you know, if you're there long enough, if you do the right things, you you um, you get to work on television. You know, in my training class, it was all WWE superstars, and there was like maybe two of us that didn't have contracts. Mm-hmm. But normally it was, hey, you hang around six months, you'll get a shot, you'll get a deal. And uh, four and a half years later, <laughs> and s- still was, wasn't happening. Was that a typical story or was that just you? Like for some reason it just kept happening to you. To be perfectly honest, it, it kind of was just me. Wow. You know, there was people in my scenario that it worked out for mm-hmm. that, you know, a guy like Mike Mondo and mm-hmm. Serena Deeb and JTG and Santino Morella mm-hmm. that had the same path. They moved down there. They chased a dream. Some for timing, opportunity, whatever they needed at the time presented itself, they got the job. For me, it was, you know, I was doing every training every day, doing all the house shows, doing every television thing, literally that uh, WWE contract a guy did. But when it came down to, you know, should we hire this guy? It was always uh, maybe six months from now, maybe no. (laughs) Right. So, and it just continued on. And a kind of similar thing at NXT sort of when I was down there. Mm -hmm. Uh, OVW, the system, it didn't close, but... You know, WWE decided to pull their, uh, you know, their their deal with them, and they moved so, on. So OVW exists as an organization, but those guaranteed WWE eyes aren't there anymore. They're not there anymore. Which a huge part of the reason for being there would be to be watched by the WWE main people. reason. I think for being there for me, it wasn't just that reason. I I went down there because it was the only place that you could go to on the independence or anywhere where you could actually go there and wrestle pretty much seven days a week mm-hmm. where you could, you're doing TV on Wednesdays. You were training Monday, Tuesdays and Thursdays and Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you were doing live events. And that's, I kind of put that on a, on a, on a, you know, a scale going, well, I can work once a week on the Indies or twice a week. If I'm lucky traveling, doing all the hours, or I could be full time in OVW, whether I'm contracted or not. So I chose that path. And is that about, that's, that's just about the work experience. Like just or is it about I get paid every day? I think it was just about the the work experience because that's what I wonder, and I've brought it up a couple times about like Ring of Honor, for example, signing guys to exclusive deals, mm-hmm. and it may I talked to Adam Cole a little bit about it, and he said the benefit is health insurance and they're helping out with things like that. Yeah. But I wonder if the Adam Coles, not necessarily the Young Bucks, but the guys who get these Ring of Honor exclusive deals, mm-hmm. Ring of Honor doesn't run that often. Yeah, so you, you wonder if it's really if it's hurting. costing them an experience, and if 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 they wouldn't be better off, kind of, you know, when they had their generation of of Daniel Bryan's and CM mm-hmm. Punk's and Samoa Joe's and all these guys, these guys were also wrestling all the time everywhere, everywhere. else, and it was just it still. It was still a special night when you saw him in a Ring of Honor match. I think it goes to show you how kind of the the state of independent wrestling is, where there's a lot of promise and a lot of good things, but for people to actually have and create a living for themselves, that that the the performers themselves would pick such deals as opposed to you know uh, not taking that deal and trying to make it with random independent places. Yeah how how is the the market for independent wrestling right now? Is there enough? kind of work going around that somebody because in the 90s it was huge like in the late 90s and it it was the same when there was wcw and ecw and wwf there was also a hundred different independent groups in every major market i think it's it's not the greatest for someone it depends on your your pro wrestling worth it really comes down to the amount of exposure you had and sometimes it's incredibly hard to get that exposure you know a lot of the guys that can really do well in the independence. Most of the time have past TV exposure, whether it be WWE or TNA uh, or something of that. 
Uh, some of them, you know, a newly released WWE talent can can do very well. Right. But for someone to tap into that, you know, really be successful and travel around the the country, the world, as strictly as independent talent is damn near impossible unless yeah. you have major exposure or something just has to line up where you get, you know, not just the nod from the independents, some sort of organization that, you know, like there's not many Colt Cabanas. There's only one of him. There's right. not many guys that can really make it happen. And I think it's a, it's, it's tough. It's really tough to carve out a living. So when you, in the place that you're at now, cause you were talking about the guys that made it up kind of uh, doing the same thing that you did, the JTGs mm-hmm. and the Serena's and all that stuff. At that time, it had to be kind of soul crushing. And then even maybe when you decide to leave that system, it's still like because you're watching them on TV. Absolutely. But looking now today, Mm -hmm. do you get to kind of look at it a little more full picture? Like maybe as much as there was struggle there. Yeah. It was a good thing because now we're all kind of in this independent world. And I'm glad that I've been establishing this on my own in these years. One hundred percent. I used to be and still to a degree super bitter. Yeah, I, I embrace that because that's what motivated me to kind of continue on. And for a lot of the people that I, I've even mentioned, you know, that got that break, they're not in wrestling anymore. And mm-hmm. I still am. So it's a completely different perspective to go, you know, I'm kind of in a weird way glad I was never hired because I went through such tremendous learning experiences and, you know, probably the the worst of the worst of disappointments that it kind of a lot of stuff doesn't get to me like it would a certain talent. Uh, so I'm, I'm in a way I am very thankful for that because I sat under a lot of learning trees and, and nobody kind of has a story that I had. Right. Which kind of allowed me to create what I'm doing right now. And that's interesting, too, that you said that, that like a lot of talent would get if something happened, quit the business or get all or throw a tantrum or do whatever. And you have this experience where you're like, it, not only is this survivable, <laughs> but it gets a lot worse. Yeah. Like, like there, you know, there's a lot more shit they can pile in front of you. A lot. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. Um, it, never ending story of uh, just disappointment and stuff like that. And, and yeah, I mean, I've seen guys quit wrestling and walk away for, for reasons that I just can't fathom, you know. And there were times, you know, I'd be lying if I said there weren't times where I thought I was going to quit and took aggressive actions to go away from pro wrestling. Mm-hmm. I was always sucked back in. There was always something that kept me, you know, let me try this. Let me, you know, the, the passion was always there. And I'm just very lucky and very blessed to be where, where I'm at right now, especially with the way things are lining up for the future. Now that you're training people, mm-hmm. do you like, as part of, going to a wrestling school that Pat Buck is teaching, telling all these stories so that people so that you're telling these guys, look, if you want to do this, yeah, you cannot quit. Yeah. But uh for the people I can't ever tell someone, you know, not to quit or keep going because if someone's really worth it in professional wrestling, they they've already made up their mind and they're yeah. they're gonna do it or they're not gonna do it. Yeah. And I can kind of see that in a lot of my students and I've seen a lot of guys that have stuck with me over the years and you know, really will walk through fire to, to make it or do something. And I've seen guys, you know, training for two, you know, I've seen guys give me their, I've noticed people that when they sign up to train with me or have been at one of my two schools, the ones that are giving me the long emails about how it's their dream, it's their passion, it's, it's, it's something that they have to do with their lives. They're always the first ones to quit. It's the quiet, <laughs> it's the quiet right. ones that are just like, I'm here, I'll do it. I'll do this drill again. Right. Uh, you know, that they're at every show, they're doing ring crew. Those are the ones that turn out to be success stories. So when people come in, tell me how it's their dream and they're going to headline WrestleMania, I kind of just kind of laugh to myself because I know they're going to quit within two months. Right. And plus they're telling you things. They're not even speaking from the heart. No. It's that sort of tough enough, 
I'm passionate for this speech that they saw on TV. Yeah. And they're like, that's what it's supposed to sound like when you really want it. Exactly. Like, and really they think they're it. telling me what I want to hear, and it's right. completely the opposite. <laughs> I'm like, you guys have no idea what you're in for because this is a very tough industry. Right. Yeah. It's almost like the guys that are going to survive are the guys that are kind of waiting for you to tell them. Yeah. If they should keep showing up, right? I guess so. Yeah, you know, so. like the guys are like, I'm just going to keep doing it no matter what. And it's like, I, I yeah. don't think you are. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so when you left uh, uh, the uh, OVWs mm-hmm. and Florida Championships of the World, yeah, did you leave with the intention of I'm going to start to expand my role in this beyond wrestler? Uh, kind of, yeah, kind of no. The one thing that was really awesome is that every place I left – I left on positive terms. I had good business relationships with, you know, was it OVW, FCW, NXT, whatever you want to call it. Like people always spoke highly of me and I had all the respect to the talents and trainers and all that. And, you know, it wasn't just me trying to get a job. It was literally every organization trying to get me a job, all the boys, all those things. So when I left, you know, uh, I left on really good terms, but I, I was, you know, still, you know, and deep down I'm, I'm a fan, I'm a Mark and I'm going, you know what? I'm still going to make this work. And I thought I was going to go back to the independence strictly as a wrestler. Right. You know, I'm leaving NXT, uh, NXT as uh, someone that, you know, I have this tremendous, you know, at that point, it was like eight years of professional wrestling knowledge working, you know, three, four times a week for all that time. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm really going to light up the independence. And then I started to realize that, uh, you know, I got all my bookings and started doing all these different shows all, all up and down the East Coast. And I would get incredibly frustrated with all these promoters and all the, you know, uh, just realizing like, wow, nobody knows what the hell they're doing. Well, like what were they doing that was frustrating? It was just ludicrous booking. And, uh, you know, you just realize that that 95 percent of the promoters out there probably have never taken a bump or right. worked in an educated system or even sat under, you know, a learning tree of someone who's really drawn money or reputable people in wrestling. Uh-huh. So when you, you show up and like, I, you know, I remember being on shows with uh, a good buddy of mine, Kevin Matthews mm-hmm. and seeing the promoter have a, like basically a 20 minute talk on how he had to use a, uh, a wet floor sign and not a, not the ring bell as a weapon. And I'm like, these are, these are real talks, <laughs> yeah. you know? And when you see that, you know, the structure of a card and you see that every, the, the shows are four and a half, five hours long and the opening matches 20 minutes and, and, just little things like that, and you can just see the promoters are only concerned about money and yeah. only concerned, and most of them don't even have money and aren't paying the boys, uh-huh. you know, uh, let alone be a creative entity. It was just incredible frustration where I'm like, you know what? I have to create my own world or else I'm, I'm going to kill myself. There's, no, there's nothing here on the independence to really, uh, you know, appease what I want to do. And so you thought, like, I can do this the way it's supposed to be done kind of i was like you know what let me just try at least it wasn't i did not think it would turn into what it turned into i just basically had you know a small chunk of change from my my shoot job which was just you know training wrestlers and uh personal training guys Mm -hmm. i said let me do one show let me see if this could be something and i'll put it all into this one show and if it works out then i'll do another and that's kind of what happened. Uh, you know, I, I had my first show in March of 2012 with PWS mm-hmm. uh, with, you know, a guy who was running shows for, for years that, you know, were, were not that successful. Uh-huh. But uh, I think I saw a tremendous opportunity that, you know, to apply a wrestling mind to a promotion. And that first show had about 800 people. Well, there was also a big difference, I feel like, because I was aware of PWS before you came in and after you came in. And it seemed like once you got there, it was uh important that you guys were running regular shows yes and that it was episodic so you had your own 
personalities and characters mm -hmm. and guys and this is and you would of course bring in the names like any yes. indie show does whereas before you got there it was kind of just like standalone shows like a lot of indie shows are that 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 it doesn't it doesn't make you loyal to the brand yeah there was no brand whatsoever right you know coming in there and i really didn't know how to go about it at first too i, I was like do i try to create because i always thought it was foolish for independent promotions to do storylines because i went can you picture watching an hour long or two hour long you know tv show and then picking up one month from now to watch the next <laughs> right. episode i thought it was dumb i thought it was silly but i took it upon myself to really go okay am i going to do this exhibition style stuff where i'm just booking you know uh names and bringing in a couple independent guys. I'm like, no, I want, I want to create this as a brand. I want to establish guys. And I knew at the soul of it that I wanted to train guys from scratch and ultimately prepare a roster. So if the right opportunity ever came along, all these guys are kind of in-house and make yeah. the focus on our in-house guys. And I think I've been pretty successful with that, with utilizing outside names, whether it be legends or popular independent acts and putting the internal focus on my own guys, which is, I mean, is, should be what every promotion ever in wrestling is, but it's kind of not that. You go to any independent show, and if you see an, a quote TV name wrestling, they're probably go. They're probably winning that night. They're going over. I mean, honestly, if you look at what WWE has done a lot of lately, it's kind of yeah, what they're doing the too. Same like, thing. The Rock just comes in and squashes everybody. You bring in the part timers, and it's like well, that. That's not the essence of this business. The right. essence is you. You put because, and I, I've gotten praise and flack for bringing in names because. A lot of times people, you know, oh, just focus completely on your independent guys. Well, that's great and everything. But if you're putting a poster around town right. and they can't recognize someone from TV or someone that, you know, that they resonate with, they're not coming. Yeah. And I mean, it, it, it's not dissimilar from radio. It's like the fans that listen to like my show on Sirius XM, mm -hmm. they like like people that are listening to the show just like when I'm kind of doing my thing. Yeah. And they don't even like the celebrity interviews. Mm -hmm. but if I don't post something on Instagram with a celebrity and I tell somebody I'm doing a radio show, they're exactly. like, are you, though? Yeah. You know what I mean? So you, you in a way, it's, it's a very similar world to pro wrestling and maybe everywhere. You just need that rub. Yeah. And it's, it's up to you what you do. Figuring as long out as, the balance of exactly. making sure it doesn't take away from your show. Sure. But you get that push of, look who I got here. And, exactly. And yeah. then, then the next show, your value goes up a little bit more. And then, you know, and that's what's happened over time where I've put – thousands upon thousands into talent to bring them in to ultimately hike uh highlight my roster guys mm -hmm. so the next time they walk through that curtain they're going i remember that that person's credible that person means something right which is just it's the business but it's a shame that places really don't do that and i i think that if there's one thing i've done over the years it's do that where these fans that come to Rahway, new jersey and come to brooklyn and come to these different venues that i run they believe in our guys and 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 it's it's very rewarding when did you start? Because you did start doing storyline stuff yeah. with the guys. When did you start moving in that direction? You know, we, we kind of attempted it loosely from the first show, but then it would always fall apart because here I am a new promotion. And granted, I have high hopes for it. The independent guys just look at it. Just another place to work. Right. Another place to make money. When it really started getting serious, I think, is when I opened the training school. Uh, you know, and I have Creative Pro New York and Creative Pro New Jersey. When I opened up the training school and outside independent talent that were kind of lost in the shuffle or even established people would come to my school and kind of see, see, you know, I wasn't just, you know, 
I'm the guy in the ring bumping with them. I'm the guy teaching them all the moves. I'm the ones that, that's doing everything I can with them and saw this. Which, from... by the way, I don't think people realize how novel a concept that is. The guy who's like, <laughs> running this is my program. school, is actually running the program. And that's a big problem with wrestling is that you, you have these training schools with this grand marquee of names and, and or so, a Hall of Famers running the training school. And then you realize, one, they may not even be there half the time. Right. Or they're in the office counting gold or they're doing something that – you're like, wait, who's training me? Like, I don't understand. <laughs> Granted, I don't have the major TV exposure, but I'm going, okay, I'm the one training you. You can find me on YouTube somewhere, but this is what we're doing. And I think I And really... the other guy you're doing it with is Brian Myers, Kurt Hawkins. Yes. Who is also there. Yeah. yeah. And, and you know, my school in New Jersey was a precursor to the one I opened up with, with him. And it, it was just that, and word of mouth spread rapidly. Like, holy crap, this school is legit. And independent talents would come in and they would, because I don't treat this like, the mindset of independent wrestling is a lot of wrestlers, they get trained for a year, they get trained for two years. And I'm like, okay, we're good. Let's go do our shows. Uh-huh. I, I treat this like it's the NFL. I treat this like I'm the guy. You're working on cardio. You're because unless you have a WWE like schedule with full time, you're gonna you're not gonna be that good. You're gonna need to train. You're gonna need to be in condition. You're gonna need to have match experience to really learn how to work and draw money. So this becomes where you go to get ring time during the week, or Every, like you're running PWS once a month at that point. Yeah. So at it's that like time. yeah. yeah. So it was just a place that like it, and and it's fun and if it's it's not it's not a place where it's like hey we're doing a thousand squats it's wrestling related stuff mm-hmm. you know it, it's it's very you know rewarding and and you're going to be challenged and you're, you're going to be tired but at the same time it's all functional training for live events and the school just started kind of picking up steam and I think from that I think the the guys the independent guys that were around you know I can I can even say like the guys like the the heavenly bodies and Dan Moff and Mario Bokora and Kevin Matthews I think that the, it kind of polished them in a way right and I realized okay these are going to be my guys and then the ones that are you know training now maybe in a year two years I can focus some energy on them so it's just constantly you know going up and then featuring guys that you know the guy like I use Cabana almost every show. I yeah. was heavily using Sammy Callahan then, and now I'm back to using Sammy Callahan now. So it's just figuring out where to put the focus and and get away from, with all due respect, get away from the demolitions, get away from <laughs> you know the guys that. Eh, it's not know. a great match. It literally is just like, oh, this is a novelty. I haven't seen them in a while. That's exactly what it is. Yeah, completely. And it, and it it you know it would be, I would love to fast forward the clock and a year from now and not have any of that. But the truth is. You still need that in pro right. If I want to draw a huge crowd, I need to u- utilize names of the past, my guys, na- independent names of the present, everything. I'm not going to be – you hear the word niche a lot. You know, mm-hmm. you have your Evolves that focus on really great in-ring products. Yes. Then you have, like, other independents that are literally just names. You don't mm-hmm. even know of any of the independent guys there. I'm open to everything, and I believe you got to kind of present like a smorgasbord where people – they may not like everything, but there's going to be at least one to three things on every show of mine where you go, I think that's pretty cool. Right, right, right. And so for you, it's not necessarily a successful show if they come out saying, oh, Cabana was great. Oh, they're going to be great. Yeah. But for you, you want people leaving going like, oh, Habib from the car wash exactly. is my favorite wrestler. I love the drunken swashbuckler or whatever mm-hmm. it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's kind of the thing where they kind of leave going, you know uh, – that that was cool to see, you know, that Tatanka or whatever. Yeah. But uh, I'm really, what about that third match between Dan Moff and Mac McIntosh? I never, yeah. I never seen moves like that before. Uh-huh. That's what I want. And then they go, you know, they're more inclined to come back. And over time, financially, if you really look at the system, 
that's going to kind of, you know, be the right mindset because you eliminate the more expensive acts of the past and you start featuring the ones of the future and your budget will go down. You can do more business, pay the guys better and have, you know, better, just a better brand. My, I mean, my favorite thing that hasn't happened in, I think, years at this point, because I think the audience didn't understand why it was happening. But my favorite thing was always watching uh, One Warrior Nation come out. (laughs) Just a guy who would come out dressed as the Ultimate Warrior, doing the Ultimate Warrior's gimmick, but he's just the biggest Ultimate Warrior fan. And it was real, real heat. I mean, it was was real heat. And that's a dark period. Let's just say this. Early... uh, Early PWS, there was times where I was like, how do I get any of these people in this building? Like, I, I just need to fill it. How do I get a thousand people in here? And we got this one guy, the one warrior nation, who is a who is probably five, five, right. five, six. Yeah, it's about right. Uh, you know, a little portly. Maybe he's got a little bit of gym muscles on him, but a, uh-huh. a portly fellow who legit pretends he's the ultimate warrior. Now, he's, got, is, he's got an ultimate warrior tattoo on his arm. He sure does. The whole deal. And, uh, you know, this is pre-warrior passing. But, right. like, you know, and he was we would book him because he actually worked at the prison nearby and he'd bring 30 or 40 people. Granted, those 30 or 40 people are cheering for him, but uh-huh. the other 700 in attendance are just looking at each other. Like a couple of them will actually believe that it's him for some strange reason, but uh-huh. they're like, what is this? And it would just be real life, intangible crucifixion, like heat that yeah, see, when that's this right, guy like, was wrestling. I'd be sitting away from everything going, I love how the fans are reacting to this. I love how awkward it is that he's even wrestling yes. on this show. Like the whole thing, my favorite thing, I think it was the last show he did uh, for the company was like, he would come out with one of those replica title belts. For on. some reason he was just, and the, was, the, the front plate just fell right off, <laughs> fell off as he's running. To the, he was the... wrestling bull Dempsey at the time. <laughs> and uh, he came off, he runs out why he had a title. I have no idea. Right. Like what it's, it's clearly a WCW replica title. <laughs> it's not even the winged Eagle. And he comes out and the plate falls off. And I remember bull Dempsey just picked up the plate and was like, shrugs his shoulders. Like, huh? <laughs> thanks Pat for like, put me against this guy. I'm like, eh. right. And uh, we got rid of him. Really, a uh, couple, yeah, sh- yeah, couple shows early after on, that. like when it was like, okay, we're actually going to take the promotion seriously. Yeah, it when it's, it was it's like, time okay. to growing pains. But uh, actually, a couple people were like, no, you, you should book him again, and that music hits. And but I'm like, no, 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 that's that's bad heat. That, that, that's yeah. people are going to walk out of the building heat. Right. I'm not going to do that. And most of the people, especially since you're drawing in new people now, <laughs> yeah, the new people are going to be like, again. What's he, there's going to be me and like three friends going, this is great. Slapping our knees laughing. And the but... whole audience is going to be like, why would they do this? <laughs> yep. It's bad. It's, it's a bad oh, match. God, one warrior. Yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, so now mm-hmm. you go forward and you're starting, you're, you're moving on yeah. from PWS. Yeah, you know. To, to do it completely by yourself. I some, mean, now you got your roster, you got, but mm-hmm. you're it's now me. the guy. I mean, with PWS... It was a partnership. It was really two guys at the helm. And uh, I, for what I thought it was a good time for a while. And then sometimes partnerships just don't work out. And there's a lot of stuff that, you know, I would love to shoot on and talk about, but like I'm being watched like a hawk with certain things. So basically. And I know that's true because you of all people, like you just don't, when you get upset, I got to let it out. You yeah. do. You love letting it out. I was at the show when you gave out Sid. Sid's phone number. Sid no showed, gave out his phone number. Uh, <laughs> and it was legit his phone number. Yes. Yeah. I think it shut down. Yeah. Uh, that's. There's been a lot of things like that where, because uh, I just won't take any bullshit. If I think it hurts the fans or hurts wrestling, I'm not going to 
kind of hold back from from doing so. This one's a little different where I feel like if uh, I speak out on certain things that, you know, it could be used against me. But long story short, I can't, you know, I don't even think I can really have a partner anymore. I just want to move forward as uh, there was a lot of negative things with PWS as well, where I wanted to book certain people. Creatively, it was frustrating uh, and I couldn't have two cooks in the kitchen anymore. So it was like, I need to figure out a way. So it wasn't like a separation of like, okay, you handle the booking of this and I'll handle the finances. It was like, we're doing everything in tandem. At first it was, you handle this, I handle that. And there's Mm -hmm. things like I wasn't strong at, like I wasn't good at social media. I wasn't really good as a website guy. Uh, I wasn't really the guy to negotiate major talent deals with with certain people. Mm -hmm. Uh, But as four years passed, I found myself doing almost everything to a point where I'm like, why am I putting up with any frustration because I'm doing the job of the entire company. I mean, right. I'm the guy doing ring crew. I'm the guy booking the shows. I'm the guy that's timing the show. Mm-hmm. I'm the guy that's head trainer preparing all these talents. It's time to move on. So right. basically, um, you know, I kind of let it out last show that I'm launching a, a new company called Russell Pro. And that's a, this has got to be a risk for you because, you know, we talk about branding mm-hmm. and brands not really meaning anything. And you had gotten it to a point where – You know, I've worked for promotions in the same building in Rahway, New Jersey, that you run all the time. Yeah. And they were drawing, you know, whatever, 300 Mm -hmm. people every show. Yeah. And that's what it was. I mean, you were at the point where you were filling up. You had like six, seven, eight hundred people regularly. And it it wasn't, you know, the the names helped, but it was a loyal PWS. Yeah, following. You're right. And it was like people had a PWS T-shirt. And they were like, we watched the show that's on at four o'clock in the Mm -hmm. morning. And like. Like, you know, they, they've attached themselves to this brand, and now you're in this position where— Starting over, pretty right. much. But the thing is, I realized that it wasn't so much starting over. I, I kind of undervalued uh, or underestimated how much people really saw kind of—and not to put myself over—saw what I what I did for the place. And it was kind of overwhelming that when I kind of started leaking out the information, like I'm moving forward by myself, these guys like, well, I'm with you. And even the fans, it was just like an outcry of, well, we they kind of knew the story already. They kind of saw that even though PWS built a huge following, I think that they're just letters. And I think that it really comes down to the performers that made it, you know, the the stuff I kind of, you know, the the devotion to just a good wrestling product. And ultimately, WrestlePro is taking all the positives that occurred from from Pro Wrestling Syndicate and kind of, you know, building from from that. I mean, the the, the guys are they have the decision they can work wherever they want to work. And, you know, PWS is I own half of it. Technically, someone if um, something happens or I'm bought out or something, it could have another show, but it'll never have another show with me. But the guys can work for where they want to work for. And, and it was kind of overwhelming last show to see uh, the outcry of support where it's like, no, 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 we're with you. And and, and this is what's going to happen. Well, you know, it's amazing. Like you kind of just talk about this move on Facebook and Twitter and stuff like that. Yeah. Like there's no like you said, there's no TV. Nothing. There's no like I announced at the previous show. So blah, blah, blah. And I'm sitting there like, you know, we'll see. And, and, and you had to for, I guess, various reasons. <laughs> the last show that was supposed to be a PWS show became a Global Force yes. Wrestling show. And I was sitting there in the audience and I was watching it going like, okay, this is cool. People and, – and wondering if people would even pick up on the fact yeah. that it wasn't a PWS show. And all of a sudden, throughout the entire show, fans are chanting WrestlePro. From the first match on. And I was like, blowing. wow. It's also kind of crazy. Like not that we have a big social media reach. We really don't. Like you know, the PWS Facebook page had like something like 21,000 likes, which is good for it's an independent. Good. Yeah. 
Um, I was locked out of that <laughs> PWS Facebook so account. You, you don't have access. So everything to that. came from my personal account, and to see like you know all the dirt sheets and just the outcry of support just from my personal posts to migrate to to the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of attendants that night to just go like, you know, we get what's going on and we're with you. Uh, pretty mind blowing and surreal, and I'm really thankful for that. Did you get Did you get locked out of the Twitter account too, or is that one yours? Luckily, uh, I created the the Twitter account, <laughs> so therefore it stays with me. Those seven thousand people right. at We Are WrestlePro uh, continues on. Oh, that's right, and now it's the <laughs> WrestlePro account. Yeah, I was, that's right because I saw it on Twitter and I was like, oh, there's a WrestlePro account. Let me follow. I already follow it. Yeah, that's interesting. That's, how that how works did that out. happen? <laughs> a little Houdini there. Huh, huh. Um, how do, How long? First, the, the name. Yeah. Because I was wondering when I when I heard through the grapevine that this was going down, I was like, oh, I wonder what the name will be, and I heard the name, and I thought it was cool. Thanks. Because it's not like I didn't want to be initials. Yes. That's the kind yes. of thing I felt like every place I was like, I don't want to be like you know I, I tip my hat to like I like the evolve, I like like that names like that, but I'm so sick of where are you working today? Uh, QPW SWC. Yeah. I'm like I'm sick of that. I just want one name, and I was like that seems, and I looked it up like nobody owns this name. And then, uh, you know, I checked the website, too, and I couldn't get RussellPro.com. It's RussellProOnline.com. Uh, RussellPro.com apparently is $14,000. I'm like, uh, no, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> but uh, I, I was, like, actually, like, oh, I'm surprised no one took this before. But I like it. It's simple. And it goes – it's kind of a, a co-branded thing because at the core of it is my – you know, it's not just the shows. It's a full-time gig for me with the training schools. Right. Create a Pro New York which is my you know, school with uh, Kurt Hawkins, Brian Myers. That's fully active. And there's Creator Pro New Jersey, which is my school in New Jersey. And it's also kind of fun, too, because a lot of stuff, like my New York promoter's license is Creator Pro. So there's like, you know, there's just every show is going to be Creator Pro Presents WrestlePro. WrestlePro is the promotion, but you're always going to see that little Creator Pro Presents because it's partly true. The training school is at the core of this big promotion. Right. That's That's the... Company, yeah, the home company, and, and Russell Pro is the parent company. And blah, blah, blah. I mean, Russ, Russell Pro is the parent company's promotion. Yes, wow, yeah, and, and, and it took me all of like thirty seconds to be like <laughs> Russell Pro. I was like, oh, create a pro. I was like, oh, yeah, everything is like synergetic and working together. And it's true. It's like, you know, the guys that sign up for my schools, you know, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. They're not going to be wrestling the same, you know, tiny little garage for And they're real years. shows. They're real they're shows. They're not like, they're yeah, real people. we bring, like, you do shows at the school, but yes. then there's like, but once you actually graduate, quote unquote, you know, you could there's be legit shows. Yeah, they could be wrestling for a thousand. You could be at Starland Ballroom and you're like, oh my God, I'm wrestling, you know, and that's happened for a lot. And that's the most rewarding part too. It's not just a financial thing. It's more so to, I really do get off on seeing my guys develop and have this, you know, I want to get get guys hired by NXT. I don't want them to stay with me forever. I want right. them to have flourishing careers because if you just do good business and establish yourself, like it's just, there's more out there. I'm a big secret guy. I'm a big, you know, mark for positive thinking and it just ultimately has just created such a vessel for, you know, for, for fans and for, for my students and for any independent guys to kind of, you know, it was really rewarding for guys like the Heavenly Bodies, which are just a lost team. And, you know, they were kind of lost in the shuffle. They didn't have a good persona. And I just was like, I'm close with Dr. Tom, the original Heavenly Body. I was like, hey, would you like come to a show and bless them with this persona? Absolutely. And then to see them <laughs> and to see them really kind of carve out and have a kind of a relatively full time schedule in the independence, being flown across country, main eventing for Global Force, doing stuff like that. These little they're they're rewards for me. Like I like yeah. that because I want to do more and more and more for my guys because that builds loyalty and that's yep. just you know, that's that's what this is all about. I wish I had someone doing that for me, and I did for a little bit, but you know, I like being that guy. Who's doing that for you? 
I don't know. You know, I had a couple mentors in wrestling. It'd probably be the Simon Dean, Nova, whatever you want to call it. Sure. He, was a, he was a big mentor for me. Al, you know, my main training came from Al Snow and came from Rip Rogers. Uh, and Rob Conway of, of La Resistance were very intricate as far as being real mentors for me and going out of their way to teach me the business side of it and, and, and to, you know, how to, how to get over and, and training wise, those four, I kind of credit to, to my success or my, the big learning trees I sat under. And so you must love being able to bring in Simon Dean, Nova, whatever for shows. Oh, it's awesome. Like now you can come and be on my show. And and, and... yeah, he looks at me like he's a proud father. And I look at him like, hey, thanks, man. Thanks for teaching me all this shit because now I got this. Right. So it's 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 twofold. So it's uh, it's just rewarding because and wrestling is so miserable sometimes and so downtrodden. It's awesome to have just these little things that uh, that reward you, you know, to. And I would think it would help the whole locker room at every WrestlePro show to know, even if just one guy gets out there, well, this guy's now over mm-hmm. in Orlando, so it happens. That's, and that's then the second it. guy, and like once a guy shows up on TV or something. And everyone has different, every student, every every active wrestler has different goals. Some just want to like have one good passable match. Others want to, you know, make it to WrestleMania. Some just have, you know, I had my guys uh, last month, we did an exercise at the school where I said, write down. Uh, you know, in two different columns, uh, and I keep half, you keep half, write down three names, three guys you want to wrestle in 2016. And, uh, you know, by second show, a lot of those guys are wrestling those people. Like, I'm trying to make it, you know, you can really put visualize this. This could happen. You could be here. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, it's a lot of fun, you know, yeah. and it's good business. How long did you know you wanted to, you were kind of done with PWS or that something had to change? I'd, I'd say there was things I didn't like where I disagreed and I can openly say them like creatively independent wrestling like we create these characters and I want someone to take that character and use it everywhere and have a good time and you know make money with it if we think of a certain persona or something like that and uh, my partner didn't see it that way he you know these are PWS characters they stay here and it's like well they're not you know they're not making a lot of money we're not we're not like a ring of honor we're mm-hmm. not like uh, an NXT where we can justify paying someone to stay there exclusively they need to go out there and get their name out there so I saw very differently on that and also working with other promotions and, and doesn't sometimes like doesn't that become a commercial for, for i would think for the, so for the home promotion yeah. in a way you know if you when go you... out somewhere else and be like where do they come up with this whatever it is the drunken pirate character or whatever that well you know pws is doing stuff like yeah this or there. it's like where this guy come from he's pretty good right. or let's use him for our shows and stuff like that and uh people didn't see it that way my partner didn't see it that way and also working with other there's there was independent acts like and i'll name them like team tremendous and joey ryan and stuff mm-hmm. like that where i'm like we need to use these guys. Yeah. They're good. They're over. They're they're great in the locker room. And they're buzzworthy. They're buzzworthy. Yeah. Certain certain things here and cuz I feel like next to my former partner um I paid attention to every independent. You know, I'm a mark. I'm watching PWG. I'm watching anything from New Japan. I'm watching Ring of Honor. I'm watching anything I can and going Okay, this guy has something. Let's bring him here. It's utilized to help that it didn't happen here. It was always very, you know, set with keep our guys in and the ones that he kind of migrated to with all due respect to them. I got really sick of having new jacket every show, mean mugging all the locker room. You know, I got sick of as much as I love balls Mahoney and he's a friend of mine. You get really tired of him and his son running around the locker room, you know, doing all sorts of antics. So I wanted to focus on the guys that could really deliver in ring and put on, you know, a better performance. Does it affect the locker room when somebody like Balls Mahoney, and I mean, I've only had pleasant interactions with Balls as well, <laughs> but when somebody like Balls Mahoney is like, I saw him at two different shows throw up yeah. in front of the audience. He threw up in my first match I ever promoted. 
Uh, the first, like literally, I'm like all nervous. I gave a locker room speech, and it was him versus Marty Jannetty. I, re- I think I was doing commentary. I was at ringside for some reason for that match. And I, I told him, I was like, "Look, guys, you know, it's kind of a, a stack show. It's six to eight minutes, please. Like, just you know, no cursing, no promos." And Marty had a second shot that day, so he had to be out there early. You know, just keep it simple, please. You know, uh, just whatever. And they're all like, "Yep, yep, yep." Balls goes out there, microphone cursing like a maniac, changes to an extreme rules match. <laughs> By his his decision. By his decision. Right. Uh, somehow a plastic chair gets in the ring, which I've always cringed when a plastic chair gets in there. Marty hits him with probably the worst chair shot in professional is wrestling. Is that because who believes that a plastic chair is going to knock yeah, out a wrestler? It's yeah, it's got to be steel. Uh, Balls does some, like, you know, weird dancing around, leans over the ropes. I think he gets rolled up very poorly, and then he throws up all over the front row. Right. Uh, that clip's on YouTube somewhere, and that was my first match I ever promoted. I'm just going, oh boy, this is the, I've, I've right. made a serious mistake. I figured out why all these other promoters are so jaded and 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 shitty. It's because this, this is, is what they deal with. Yeah, and I was like, hey referee, can you get that blue mat and just take it to the back and can we can we clean it off? And I had to give like front row tickets to the guys that their, their kid and themselves were, had puke on their shoes. Uh-huh. That was my first match, yeah. yeah. So uh, you know, I don't really need that around a wrestling company. Does that does that? And when he come when he continues to kind of come back show after show, <laughs> yeah. does that make the rest of the locker room be like, what are we? What are they we doing? Kinda, here? They kind of just get it, but at the same time, it's like it's like okay, enough. Like, but the thing is, he's like our he's he's like our puppy that like just always you know pees on the rug. It's like we get it, but at the right. same time, it's just like, look, man, we we love you, but. There's always going to be some sort of issue and and some sort of thing, and it's just kind of best to get away from that and right. move on, you know? Like, as happy as we are to see you, like— As funny and comical you, as it is. When you when you bite through all of our shoes, we got to give—we got to get rid of you because we need shoes. Yeah, Like, yeah. we got to have shoes at the end of the day. That's, uh, that's balls in a nutshell. Perfect, yeah. perfect, perfect analogy. So who do you have kind of lined up as, as the guys that you want to center WrestlePro around? And again, this could— sure change it could after the first show who knows what you're gonna do Uh, i think a lot of the guys we've built our backs on the success of up-and-coming talents a guy like matt mcintosh and dan moff if you're not familiar with these guys and brussel pro will be very youtube heavy where we're going to feature these guys a lot more kevin matthews uh but i love you know cole cabana to me is worth every single appearance Mm -hmm. you know i want to but i want to have a rotating of roster like my first show obviously i have team tremendous joey ryan um i want to feature a lot of popular independent acts you know brian cage comes to mind Mm -hmm. anyone and everyone i could that that I think can deliver, you know, it comes down to the homegrown guys that that are around this area that have been with my company for over four years that are now coming to the new company. But at the same time, if there's some sort of relevancy or some sort of creative way I can showcase anyone, like I'd love to bring Grado over to face one of my talents, sure. you know, just something fun and something different. Uh, you know, if people get released, you know, tomorrow from WWE, most of the time their first stop was PWS. Mm-hmm. I think it'll be the same with WrestlePro, but if there's someone that has no value, I'm not going to use them. But if there's a creative outlet for someone, I will figure out a way to highlight them. Uh, and are you going to, are you the type of promoter that goes kind of match by match and figure out, okay, this match is this, this match is that, and get with the guys and say, well, we're going to do whatever, hardcore mm-hmm. stuff in here, so you guys are going to do this, and this one's going to be the quick one, and this one's going to be yeah. the sort of grappling one. In a, in a way, yeah. I kind of I leave creative freedom to them. I'll interject where I think there's going to be a problem because uh, timing in independent wrestling is a, is, a, is a thing that doesn't really exist. What I mean is that a lot of guys aren't used to time cues and they're not used to, you know, uh, 
they they think 10 minutes is really 20 minutes. So mm-hmm. They just don't understand the concept. So I have to be almost like really on top of how long matches go. Uh, I hate repeat finishes. If the, the first match ends with, you know, a pile driver, then you can't really have the same thing in match three. Yeah. So you have to, like, differentiate that and figure out a healthy balance, uh, but also making sure it's not so much telling guys what to do. It's kind of figuring out what not to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I don't think the first match should have – you know, what I think has been not wrong with independent wrestling, but I think it's kind of lame if every single match has 15 false finishes. Right. We can be better than that. We can be more creative. I love squash matches. We need more of those. We need, you know, uh, you can't, if we're going to have a multi-man match, the next match can't really be a multi-man match. Mm-hmm. We have to figure out where to put stuff and how to end the show properly. And I think on the independent level, you have to end the show. It doesn't mean you have to have a baby face up or, or whatever, but you have to have some sort of feel-good moment. You can't end shows with heat it doesn't work right just unless you have it's going to be so long until the next show yeah just leaves you with that unless i have a budget like sinclair or like you know pan energy and where i can capitalize on on focusing on something and it's okay to get to the next point i have to figure out how to end every show in an interesting creative or like you know a wow factor or like a really good feel-good moment or else it's a failure so uh but i'm yeah i'm very on top of figuring out exactly how the the card should go how the flow should be and working with talents and, and letting them pitch i don't like to tell people what to do i like to hear their ideas and tweak it to make it mean the most sense right 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 and then do people when you come out with that attitude do people tend to take you seriously like okay this is what we're doing or do they come at you like dude this is indie I've, wrestling. very like, rarely i mean every now and then you'll have a person that's like doesn't want to you know and most time it's like name and you know not to you know, I've had times where I had AJ versus Van Dam, uh-huh. and that was a real awkward situation because, truthfully, they wouldn't put each other over. And that was a very hard situation to deal with because, you know, and that was actually on my fault because previously both of their representation was like, well, you know, it, Van Dam was supposed to face someone else. Yeah. And so it was like, you know, Van Dam can't lose. And then AJ came along, and AJ's like, guy, like, well, he can't lose. And I figured that they would, you know, meet each other and that they would be okay with, you know, working with each and truthfully i wanted aj to go up because mm-hmm. aj would have been back you know quicker and probably more relevant more cost effective than what rob was at the time didn't work out that way so we had to have a kind of an ending that was kind of lackluster and i made the most of it where it was like you know i don't know it was uh it was something where uh they fought to a time limit draw and then they you know uh bullet club interfered and knocked out the referee and then beat down on Rob and then a lot of the ECW guys made the save and we ended the show on that night. So, I made so the most at least of... you've got this ECW versus Bullet Club thing. That's something we haven't seen before. Yeah, so it was, you know, making the most of a bad situation but it was un- it was unfortunate that happened but I kind of, I also told them, I was like, look, I'm not going to tell any of you guys who to put over. I respect you guys too much but at the same time, this is what I'd want and it, it didn't work out. That's the only time it really didn't work out that way but most of the time, talent's really receptive to, I guess they kind of get me right away and there was a you know, one example where I've been standing in front of literally all of the ECW guys I've booked mixed with all the past WWE guys, and I'm kind of instructing them loosely on what I want to happen, and they're all with it. There's no problems, and it's kind of a little bit mind-blowing for me because I'm like, you know, a lot of these guys are older than me, you yeah. know, and or a lot of these guys have been around longer. Than, I mean, I'm 15 years in wrestling. Some of these guys are 25, 30, and they're going, okay, no, I completely understand that. They may have a creative uh, suggestion and I'll listen to it. And if I think it makes sense, I'll roll with it. But if not, it's been across the board where people kind of follow what I want because it's, I really make, it's my show and I make the, make the sense, most sense of it too. Right. So. What is, so when you tell an RVD that you, your preference would be mm-hmm. AJ going over, 
how did, does he get offended by that? Or not is he at like, all. He's not just at like, all. no, I'm just, he, it's just yeah, it's just, just like, like yeah, that. well, I really don't, eh, I don't really want to do that. I don't see it that way. You know, I don't even think there was an outright thing of even that. It was just like, okay, well, like, you know, we'll think about it. I think they both actually felt uncomfortable to go, you know, we're not going to, you know, put each other over. I, I, I kind of got that vibe. Right. So it both, wasn't like a hostile, like, not right, at not all. Did, like a Sean Brett, like, Zero. Right. But it was just like, yeah, well, you know, one one's still protecting. And I think it, truthfully, it really stems from how WWE, at, or at that time, like how their outside companies were affecting their decision making. Because right. Rob is constantly in and out of WWE. So that. So it, he can't it, lose at indie shows. And, and so it's not really his. Exactly. So right. it's not really his fault. And granted, but he's actually come back and, and done great business with mm-hmm. us. He's, he's put over. He's put over our guys. He's, right. he's great. I love Rob. But I think at that time period, he was in and out. It was like a year, two years ago. Um, you know, WWE is like, you know, we wouldn't prefer that. At the same time, here's AJ with his New Japan thing going on. You know, if he does something they don't he'll get heat for that so they right. gotta look after their own interests i totally yeah. understand yeah. they're not being defense however there is this is funny uh i once had demolition versus powers of pain <laughs> this is mind-blowing okay so they're i believe they were like second match on the card and i i just i went you know i figured there'd be no issue so i was like okay uh powers of pain you know go up and they're like, okay, cool. They wouldn't put each other over. They do a double DQ in the match. What? And I'm going, There's that's a totally horse of different color where it's like, I'm not going to put this guy over. We're not going to put you over. Okay, let's just do a double DQ. That, to me, is not the same situation as, like, the Van Damme or uh, right. AJ. AJ. That's, like, really being, you know, as much as I love some of the names of the past when they're going, like, I'm not losing, I'm not laying down, chances are I won't have them back. And that's uh-huh. kind of the, I, I can't stand that. Like, come on, man, because you're going to get... The people need to learn from like the Tommy Dreamer school of booking. The more they put over people, the better their career is going to be because yeah. you up the territory, you up the promotion. But I've just unless had... you have a specific thing going on on the outside, like you've got AJ who's like, no, we're going to make you world champion. Yeah. You can't be losing or you know, Rob, like we're bringing you back to WWE to you be can't a be part losing. of the major pay per view. Right, and right, he's right. headlining, you know, Wrestle Kingdom. I totally understand that. But when right. you're when you're you know pushing fifty, sixty years old, right. and you're like. Uh, well, I, I can't really, I can't really do that. I need to get my hand raised. I'm gonna go. Okay, that's cool. I will work around it, or I'll argue with you, and then I'll never have you back. Right. So, and luckily, most of the guys that come in here kind of understand that and are more than willing to put over. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put you know someone that not worthy to go over uh, a legend or someone of the past. But for the most part, like, let's all do good business here. You know. When did dem- when did that go down between demolition and powers of pain? Did that happen like? <clears throat> Before the match, they were like, we're not going to do this? Or did they get in there? And they didn't like, tell me. They just went in there. Oh. And, you know, they're like, okay, cool. They go out there, and I'm watching the match. And all of a sudden, I see, I see the referee get shoved. And I see <laughs> one of them. I think I think Warlord uh, all of a sudden hits, hits Smash over the back with a chair. And the referee, I'm like, oh, okay, I see what's going on here. Yeah. Like, Come on, guys! Right. Like, and does the referee at that point just have to be smart enough to be like, okay, it's a double? Yeah, they just have to have to roll with it, and right. it's God. That I I totally forgot about that. Yeah, and stuff <laughs> like that happens not too often, but right for the most part, a lot of the re- most wrestlers in wrestling are good people. They understand it, but you're just going to have a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of craziness with with names of the past. So, what are your what are your goals for Wrestle Pro at the moment? I mean, I would guess right now. It's just to have your first show successfully. But where where at this moment do you realistically not like, well, I'd really like to blah, 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 but like what are we doing? I think it's to uh, really be the premier place in the independence in every uh, aspect, whether it be, you know, YouTube clips, uh, highest attended shows. I have about I think I have 14 events from now until January. Uh, more will fall into my lap. Booked. I mean, yes. 
So from now, so for the rest of the, you've got fourteen shows over the course of the next year. Yeah, that's amazing. So it's so, not like one of these like, okay, I'm starting this promotion. I got our first show. No, fourteen shows. You got a uh, year of shows, and and more will definitely. I predict within the next like month or so, I'll probably add like another four or five. And a lot of well, I'm in the this is part of my business too, and I think this is a big uh, a thing with with independent wrestling is I sell shows. Is that if an institution, you know, whether it be a high school or a Knights of Columbus or, dare I say, I've had meetings with City Field, uh-huh. where if they're interested in having an event, they don't really know how to – most places that put on wrestling shows, they have no idea what to do. Right. So they come to me and go, this is our budget. What can you give me for such and such amount of money? I can give you this talent with – I own all the equipment. Mm-hmm. You know, I have all the promoter's license. You're going to get this, and you get to keep all the gate. You pay this price. And most of them are – everyone that I've ever done a sold show with does repeat business and buys other – doubles their amount or does it again because it brings one it's a fun event but it's just it's it's a creative way to do fundraisers and a creative way to just bring money to whatever your organization is yeah so when that opportunity presents itself and i go okay i can book this out and do good business where that's another show for wrestle pro to revisit in the next couple of years another solid building another venue and sky's the limit like you know from whether it be starland ballroom or whether it be you know uh, a Knights of Columbus that fits 200 people, mm-hmm. I can figure out how to make it work for each of them. Wow. Wow. And so so it's just to do shows, be the type. Is there any – do you look at, at other uh, groups as competition? Uh, yes and no. Like do you see anything that you're like, that's where I want to be and above it? Yeah. You know, I see – I think Ring of Honor – uh, for the most part, obviously, they have something really good going on. People c- claim they're an independent. I don't really get that. If they're yeah. Sinclair Broadcasting is a yeah. multi-million dollar company. And, you know, I had my an issue with them at first. Uh, and with, you know, I had my second PWS show in Rahway. And uh, we had a huge crowd. And they tried to take the building from me. And they went in and they're like, oh, there's a big crowd here. It must not be the, the success of this promotion. It must be, you know, the building itself. Because that hap- there are buildings that just have a lot of people that like wrestling. Right. And they booked a show, and they had a considerable less amount of people than, than what I did. I think they only had 200. They never booked it again. Uh-huh. Uh, so there's always – I got to be on guard with, you know, not so much competition, but I also have to be, you know, if if I've, there's been days where my show has competed with their show at Hammerstein Ballroom where they have the whole New Japan roster, and, and I've suffered for it. At the right. same time, I had a show SummerSlam weekend of last year with NXT in town at Barclays mm-hmm. with Ring of Honor going on, and I had 800, 900 people. So that so, was just wrestling being in the air actually made it better for everyone. I think so. Yeah. And that was, you know, that was very panic stricken. But I was like, oh, OK, I pulled this off. But, you know, I do my best to work with local promoters now where, you know, because I want to I want to uh, every show of mine, I want to have a six way match with six guys in it. And I'm calling it a co-pro six way where each guy will either represent a different promotion or training school. Wow. So I want to do my best because that's what PWS didn't do good. We didn't work with people very well because we were very protected. I've evolved as a person. I want different places to go. You know, we can be supportive if we don't conflict with dates. We can do good business by each other and make it more because no one is really killing independence as far as making a huge, you know, killing money wise. So, and I mean, you see all the groups doing. You see, you know, Ring of Honor's got the New Japan and the Pro Wrestling Guerrilla deal. Yeah, and I think that's the way things are going. I was just talking to a, a YouTuber, and we were talking about how, you know, this is this huge form of media now where she's getting like millions and millions of hits Mm -hmm. but like professional youtubers don't go on youtube the way it used to be in tv and radio where you would go on and attack the competition professional youtubers go on and they get the other youtubers to come on their channel yeah and then they go on their channel and do videos together and stuff and you realize like that's just kind of the direction that things things are are moving and and the truth is the cream will rise so that i have to outwork the if i want to be the best 
we can all get along, but the truth is at the core of it, I'm going to have to outwork them right. and do whatever I can to make my brand more successful than theirs. And that's on me. So, but I don't want it to be like, you know, we can't use this particular talent. Uh, you know, uh, I've had... When you're a promoter, you, you put up with things like, you know, I've had people call the taxation department on me. I've had people call the fire departments, try to shut down shows. You know, you have you put up with all these stupid, petty people ripping down your flyers. I don't want any of that anymore. I want right. to evolve and, and have, a you know, a better class of because uh, of independent wrestling. Well, listen, where can people find you? Uh, I'm Buck Never Stops on Twitter, uh, WrestleProOnline.com for all the up and coming things or CreatorProWrestling.com if you want to be a wrestler. All that jazz. Yeah. And I. uh I fully endorse all that. I would. I've. Oh, if if anybody ever came to me and said, "Where should I go to a wrestling school?" Mm-hmm. And I've I've seen a bunch of them, but I've been to the Creative Pro School, and I'm like, that's kind of. It's the most legit one. Thank you. That I've seen in the area. It's clean. So, it's uh, everything. And you're on the upcoming poster, March fifth. I, I, I mean, that was a surprise <laughs> to me. Was, people, like, you've made it on the poster. I was like, yeah, front and center. It's, I had to do that. I thought that was real fun. <laughs> Look at me. It was. It was uh, hilarious. Thank you, Pat Buck. Uh, and good luck with everything, man. Thanks, Sam. Appreciate it. Here is Sam Roberts. I hope that you've taken advantage of the offer that the Double Take Universe has set up just for you, the listeners to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. It really is amazing. Of course, it's the company that brought you Grand Theft Auto, Borderlands, Bioshock, and WWE 2K16. They're bringing you a brand new comic universe. It's called the Double Take Universe. The first ten stories start in the world established by the 1968 cult classic Night of the Living Dead. Then, these guys, these creative geniuses, let their imaginations and their zombies run wild. Double Take Comics uh, is telling new stories starring new characters, but it's when zombies were real. It's not this dramatic Walking Dead stuff. It's, It's the George A. Romero vibe. Night of the Living Dead Zombies. This is what the Double Take universe is doing. They're releasing their comics, not one at a time, but in sets of ten. It's like going to White Castle. Oh, boy. Hang on. It's like going to White Castle, right? You go, you can't just get one burger. You want a sack of ten. They're giving you sacks of ten in comic book form. You can read, by the way, the first ten comics for free at DoubleTakeUniverse.com. But wait, there's more. You're telling me they're probably just giving me the first 10 comics so that I'll buy the second 10 comics. And that's true. But guess what? Since you listen to my wrestling podcast, you're also going to get the second 10 comics for free with code SAM. You put in the code SAM at DoubleTakeUniverse.com. That's DoubleTakeUniverse.com. And you can get the first and second issues. That's 20 comics for free. Now, if you want them in physical form like some people do, you can get both Super Packs now uh, of 10 titles at your local comic shop, Barnes & Noble stores, GoHastings.com or MidtownComics.com. It's about 20 bucks per set of 10. But as I said, you can get all 10 first and 10 second issues for free with my promo code SAM at DoubleTakeUniverse.com. Issue 3s are coming out February 24th, so jump in on the ground floor of this brand new universe. Use promo code SAM and get 20 comics for free at DoubleTakeUniverse.com. Big thanks to Pat Buck for being a part of the podcast this week. I'm sure he reads the comics at DoubleTakeUniverse.com. 
Um, and I think it's really exciting. I think we should all support indie wrestling, and especially when it's done by guys like that who have a vision for it uh, and and really want to accomplish something. I'm excited for WrestlePro. I'm excited about what it's going to bring. I know uh, Pat's already got, you know, we were talking because that interview was recorded before Bull Dempsey was released. And we were talking about the fact that Bull used to do shows for Pat before he was in NXT and that WrestlePro would still have guys fresh off the WWE roster. Well, their show, I think it's on March 5th, Bull Dempsey's going to be there. It's going to be in Rawway, New Jersey, so it's going to be a lot of fun. It's, I think they're doing Bull Dempsey versus Kevin Matthews. So I'm excited to see Bull fresh back on the indie circuit and ready to make a huge, huge impact. Speaking of making a huge, huge impact, what did you think of Raw? Did it make a huge impact? Was it big enough leading into Fastlane? Let's talk about all that and more this week in the State of Wrestling. It's now time for this week's State of Wrestling. Welcome to the State of Wrestling. I guess before we had started the State of Wrestling officially, I should have made mention of the fact that you can go to NotSam.com now and see the new NotSam store, the exclusive home of the official Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast gym uniform t-shirt and the official Boo the Bad Guys t-shirt. You can see them both over there on the website. They're locally screen printed, very high quality, uh, very soft shirts. You'll love them very, very much, and they're affordable. So go to NotSam.com, and you can click the shop link, or you can go to shop.notsam.com. Joining me at this time is— Wearing one of those shirts. Yep. You got your Boo the Bad Guys on. That's right. Miss Katie Linendahl. Oh, we're having quite a few herself. days. Yeah, so uh, we're coming—we're doing the podcast, as I said earlier, mm-hmm. from Los Angeles, California. We were in Anaheim yep. this week for Monday Night Raw— then Ontario, California, for SmackDown. And I think that I now own the most obscure <laughs> Suplex City shirt that anybody will ever have. I have the Ontario, California Suplex City shirt. I can't believe they made one, uh, but they did. Uh, and I'm so – I'm excited to be the owner of it. It's a big deal. Yeah. And not only did you purchase that shirt, but you purchased it four hours in advance of the event. Well, I had Tonight. to. I had to make sure I had it. It was it was well done because they ran out of a kids XL, which I fit into. Right, right. Um, yeah, I was looking at the shirt. And, you know, we figured out after two weeks that the shirts were now being colorized for the local team sports, local sports team. Right. And I think that there's so little going on in Ontario, California. By the way, <laughs> crowd was awesome. The people there are great. It was an awesome crowd. The crowd was so excited. And you'll see it if you haven't seen it yet on SmackDown this How week. How funny is it, by the way, that in Anaheim, Reigns totally got booed. And Ontario, he was so over. Yeah. Yeah. Ontario was a very boo the bad guys audience. They believed in booing the bad guys and cheering the good guys. Yeah. They were all very excited for the show. Not a lot of quiet spots, which I can't say about the raw crowd in Anaheim. Um, and everybody seemed genuinely excited. But... There's not the local sports team that plays in in uh, where were we again in California? Oh, Ontario. Ontario, California, is like a, a junior league hockey team. Yeah, but they're called what the Ontario Reigns. They're called the Ontario Reigns. Like, no reference to it, by the way. None, and it's spelled as you pointed out exactly the same. Uh, so they made. I think that they might have made the Suplex City shirt just SmackDown colors. It's just blue and white because. 
I think SmackDown's like the biggest thing to come to Ontario, <laughs> California. So they're like, I guess, I guess we'll claim ownership over this building. <laughs> I just want to make clear that it's such a big deal, SmackDown in the town. We were, we arrived again three hours early. See, here's the problem: in when you're on the West Coast, Katie and me, uh, obviously we're both from New York. That's where we usually do the show. You come to the West Coast and. Katie had been here all weekend, but I just got here on Monday, came straight from the airport, met up with Katie. We went to Raw. <laughs> and the reason for that was, obviously, West Coast, East Coast time difference. Monday Night Raw is live every week. So the thing opens at 4.30 in the afternoon instead of 7.30. Right. And the show starts at 5 in the afternoon instead of 8 p.m. <laughs> so we, had, we were late for Raw, but, I mean, nothing we could control. We, you know, went back and watched it on TV when we got home to the hotel. But... For some reason, <laughs> the plan for days was like, yep, and then luckily we'll both be in town. We got some work to do during the day in the morning, but we can schedule it early. This is it. We were literally scheduling meetings and interviews for other projects early so that we could get to SmackDown on <laughs> West Coast time. <laughs> An hour. We drove from Palm Springs, California to Ontario, California. It's an hour drive. It's correct. I pull up to the building. Like, I was outside the arena. <laughs> there was not one car in the parking lot. And I looked at Katie, and I went, <laughs> oh, wait. Maybe it opens at 7. And it was 3.30. And she goes, so you mean like 4, not 4.30? And I go, no, Katie. SmackDown's taped. There's absolutely. <laughs> we both knew this. Of course. In. There's absolutely. We're two very smart people. It's like, we it's, like to think we are. It's Tuesday. There's no reason to start this show at 4 p.m. Why would you? And as it turns out, they wouldn't. Uh, so we were just sitting there like we're an hour away from Los Angeles at least. So we'd have to go back and forth and, and three hours early for the show at least. And that's for doors open, not for like getting there just as the show begins. I mean doors open, doors open. So we just kind of tooled around Ontario, California there's like a shopping center in two malls right next to the building. So we were tooling around there, and then we went and saw Zoolander 2. Right. And then finally we were like, okay, now it's actually SmackDown time because we've <laughs> figured out how to operate our brains and function like people. we're idiots. Um, but, yeah, wasn't it interesting? I found that the live crowd for SmackDown was much better and much more into it than the live crowd I for agree. Raw. Do you think that's because – there's less happening in Ontario than there is in Anaheim. Do you think – or it, is it because Raw is so long? Well, you had a good point. The Grammys were on. Did you yeah. think that a lot of those – you know, the, a lot of the close seats were not filled? Yeah, a lot of comp seats. So I think seats. a lot of people did not show up. A lot of comp seats were not filled. And by the way, anybody that thinks I'm a WWE shill, go on my Instagram and tell me why Michelle Beadle was in the front row and I had to see her with binoculars from where we were sitting. And tell me I'm a WWE show. But, but, um, yeah, I think that was part of it. But I, I, maybe it's because it's too long or maybe it was just the night. Uh, I do think Raw is too long. And, you know, it starts to cost them as the show goes on and on. And when segments pop up that aren't great and you've already been sitting there for two and a half hours, it's like, of course – they're going to fall flat, and it's going to take a lot more work to do it. Uh, I thought Corey Graves had the tweet of the night because I was sitting there with Katie, and when Roman Reigns was getting attacked, 
Nothing was happening. And he got attacked for a good few minutes. Finally, Dean Ambrose has his music hit. And he runs to the ring like a house on fire. But I'm like, why wouldn't you have run to the ring earlier than that? And Corey Graves had the tweet of the night by tweeting something to the effect of, uh, I once saw a friend, a friend of mine once got beat up in a bar, but I couldn't help him because my theme music wasn't in the jukebox. <laughs> it's classic. It is Wrestling Logic 101. Uh, I have to tell you, as far as Raw goes, I was appalled. And Katie can vouch for that. I was sickened at the fact that Dean Ambrose set up Roman Reigns for a Dirty Deeds. And Roman escaped from it but did nothing. I have no idea why you were so bothered by that. Really? Loyalty runs deep, man. It runs deep until Fastlane. Look, I understand loyalty runs deep, but Katie, like, I'm very, very loyal to you. If you legit put me in a position to double-arm DDT me, and it's not a, like you wanted to double-arm DDT me, I'd be like, what are you doing? Like, we work together. Why would you try to double-arm DDT me just now? I don't trust you anymore. I'm not loyal to you anymore because you're not loyal to me anymore. Because as deep as loyalty runs, you just tried to double-arm DDT me. Well, the difference is I would actually execute it. You would. That was kind of weak that it wasn't followed through. Well, no, because Roman escaped. But I like, liked it. I liked the hook on that. He's a Terminator, Roman Reigns. He's a machine. He's a beast. The Roman- to me, it was almost condescending, though, that, that Reigns was like, oh, that was, that was cute what you tried there. No. No, it was a hierarchy that displayed for me. Roman doesn't win battles with his brain. He wins battles with his fist. When was Roman as popular as Roman has ever been? After Triple H. Yeah, and was he sitting there like one-upping Triple H in a battle of wits? Or was he kicking the garbage out of it? It's a different scenario. He should have hit Dean Ambrose in the face. I completely disagree with you. If I was the size of Roman Reigns, if I had the ability to hurt people with my hands. You're saying there would have been a a stronger hierarchy had he just kicked his ass. He should have kicked his ass. I would have kicked his ass if I had the ability to. Like, there's no way that Dean Ambrose – like, Dean Ambrose is walking around – Doing whatever he wants. He's hitting Brock Lesnar in the gonads. He's not afraid of Brock Lesnar. He's now, obviously, not afraid of Roman Reigns. And for some reason, while Brock Lesnar will hit Dean Ambrose back, Roman Reigns will be like, oh, you got one on me, guy. Like, what? I thought that was like, again, he showed the power. It was babyish to me. He did not show the power because, in my mind, I saw an opportunity for Dean Ambrose to dirty deeds Roman Reigns out of nowhere, and Roman Reigns not coming back at all. Dean Ambrose strikes me, if you're following a storyline, Dean Ambrose now strikes me as significantly more hungry for a victory on Sunday than Roman Reigns is. Well, now is so even more set up for victory. Yes. Dean Ambrose strikes me as somebody who is going in, guns blazing, balls out, wants to win this match no matter what, and Roman Reigns is like, well, okay, I mean, I'll win as long as we're still friends at the end. What? Roman Reigns wants to be friends now. That's where we're at. I feel like we, we, we missed the bigger point here in the timeline in the sense that Ambrose no longer has the belt. Well, I'll get to that Okay, for sure. because I feel like that's a well, – we we're were, out of sequence here. 
Well, we were talking. Okay, I'll talk about that right now. Because I think you're making too big of a deal about this. It's a huge deal. It's it, it's destructive to Roman Reigns. This is why people boo him. This is why people don't like him. Because he's not kicking people's asses. I don't know that Ontario crowd. There wasn't one person booing from. Actually, it was pretty hyped. In Ontario, you're saying is a collective. Right. It's okay. Ontario. Right. Okay. It's not like a major city. It's Ontario. Hey, it's not- hey now. Have you ever heard the phrase? As Ontario goes, so does the world. Nope. <laughs> Once or twice. You did. Mm-hmm. You did. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm glad you heard those because it ha- really helps make your point. Yep. <laughs> um, I, uh, no, I, I, I think that it's destructive to the character of Roman Reigns. But we mentioned, you remember last week I said Kevin Owens needs to have the Intercontinental title. It needs Because now it's an afterthought on Dean Ambrose. Right. I thought that was executed perfectly because you set up this five-way – Dean Ambrose needs not to be the Intercontinental Champion anymore because he's obviously – and you talked about this before and you were a little concerned. I'd love to know how you feel now because when this story started, you did not view Dean Ambrose as a serious contender for the world title. I know. Um, where are you at today? I feel like over the last four weeks though, the mm-hmm. hype around Ambrose and the, and the, the play he's getting, mm-hmm. everybody's totally on board. And I almost feel like it was too easy of a setup mm-hmm. to have that all gone down. You're just going to lose the belt the week before Fastlane? Is it obvious to you? You know how this always plays out. Mm-hmm. Is it obvious to you that that Ambrose is going to win this? No, it's that, that, that's not obvious to me. I feel like that would be the, the easy way out now. It is obvious to me that regardless of the outcome of this match, Dean Ambrose is a world title contender. And that beca- I think that's obvious at this right. point. And because of that, the— And Ambr- now made very, very clear. Yes, and you feel that way too. Yes. Okay. And, and and that's part of storytelling, right? Like you just have to get this guy to this place where right. we take him seriously there. Um, and I think there's no doubt that the Intercontinental title in that position – and that's why maybe they didn't realize how popular Dean Ambrose was going to be. That's why he had the Intercontinental title. Um, and I think they realized right away that the title is becoming an afterthought because Dean Ambrose is bigger than the title is. And we need to figure out a creative way to get it off him. And they did that with, with Kevin Owens, who is now – and he should be the Intercontinental Champion, I think. Uh, he should beat Brock Le- – uh, not Brock Le- – I mean that would be great if he beat Brock Lesnar. He should beat uh, Dolph Ziggler at Fastlane. Um, and – but I, I just think that they did it in a very, very good way. You know, Tyler Breeze, we know he's not making waves right now for whatever reason – you, everybody knows Katie and I have been Tyler Breeze fans for a long time. Big you know, fans, yep. Talking about him in NXT, he's, but he's been on the podcast before. Mm-hmm. Um, so did you just not come out with Summer Rae anymore either? No. Well, they announced on a SmackDown that they were just parting ways. They just decided to. They, it was, it was, it was, it's all positive, though. Oh, wait, are you being serious? Yes. They didn't even do a thing. They were just Shut like, up. we've just decided to part ways. So while I was like snacking, I totally missed that. <laughs> right. No reason, no sort of. I'm going with him. You're going with her. No, no. That's weird. Yeah, no story behind it. It was like somebody in WWE just got tired of Tyler Breeze on a day, and said, "Well, I don't know why we're giving him him so much attention. I like that Summer, but who's the other blonde? That's we told you about him. That's Tyler Breeze. He's very, very popular. Popular. I don't know anything about him. And what's with the What's with the fuzzy thing he's carrying around? What does he do? Shove that up at Vince. It's a selfie stick. <laughs> selfie what now? 
selfie stick. It's what the kids are. No, no kids using that. And we'll put them on main event. They use that flash photography. I'll tell you who's the future in this duo. It's that Summer Rae. <laughs> and so Summer Rae's getting the victory over Paige on Raw and Tyler Breeze. And, you know, God love him. What can you do? Tyler Breeze is not in the position where he's, he's making any waves right now because of decisions that have been made. So you've now figured out a way where you've got one of your more popular guys, and I think Kevin Owens is, is going to be just an enormous star and continue to rise and rise and rise. Um, I think Kevin Owens is going to take the CM Punk spot. Mm. Um, That's a lofty statement. Yeah, I mean, I think Kevin Owens is there to take the CM Punk spot. I think AJ Styles is there to take the Daniel Bryan spot. Uh, I think Kevin Owens is going to make it his own. I should. I, I want to say that. I mean, Kevin Owens is going to continue has. to defy everyone and everything and yes. become a major, major superstar. If anyone really, in the spirit of Daniel Bryan, Kevin Owens is more in the spirit of Daniel Bryan uh, than anyone else in the sense that he's very – Unassuming? I don't know if it's even unassuming is the word, but – Fit the mold? The spirit of that is right. Yeah, he just doesn't fit the mold, and he is going through his performances to become a superstar – regardless of what anybody thinks, and he's doing that, and he's going to continue to do that, and he's just going to grow and grow and grow, which is amazing. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so I think having him pin Tyler Breeze now makes it a position where Dean Ambrose can peacefully walk away from the Intercontinental title scene onto bigger things, uh, and now you've got this main event set up, I mean this this match set up between Dolph Ziggler and Kevin Owens, where Dolph Ziggler has multiple victories over Kevin Owens, He's saying, hey, man, I want a shot at the title. Did we, we really think that we were going to revisit that this soon? Kevin I feel Owens, like we Dolph every Ziggler week. for the Intercontinental yes, title. Yes, dude. Yeah, no. Um, I think it's a nice placeholder, and I hope that there's something bigger in mind for WrestleMania. I wouldn't be surprised if they do another multi-man match for the Intercontinental title, though. Mm. I see that, and I, I unfortunately – and it's, it's a little sad to me. I see – I see a Becky, Charlotte, Sasha triple threat match for the Divas Championship wow, at WrestleMania. Really? Yes. Um, which I would much rather see the Sasha-Charlotte match, but I guess in due time. I think it'll be a triple threat. That makes more sense. Uh, uh, I think it'll be a triple threat. But So, yeah, so I think that they did a great job of moving the Intercontinental title from Kevin Owens, from Dean Ambrose to Kevin Owens. I think it had to be done. Uh, but I just feel like it happened a little too fast. I just have to say my piece on that. I, it's I, the week before. No, you're right. It's but not he, even a week. He before. couldn't go into the pay per view with the title. It just wouldn't make any sense. I think that they were just like we we forgot and we have to get the title off him. When, what was the last? I'm having a brain freeze. You're, you're better than me at this. The, the last person to have two titles, so we didn't think it was going to happen, and it did. Uh, Rollins. Yeah. Didn't he? Yeah. yeah. Didn't we we talk to him about yeah. it? Yeah. Rollins That's won the right. United States and the world title. He said it. Remember we t- asked right. him. Right. I said gonna... it wasn't going to happen, that he yeah. wasn't going to have both titles. And he we, we asked him about it, and he was like, no, I would just take both if I won both. And <laughs> yeah, then he won right. both. That's right. Um, yeah. No. I, so it's not unheard of. I just think it was well, a very one, fast move. No, it's not unheard of, but it's – that story was told a certain way, and the way this story is being told, there was no value being placed. We forgot that he was the champion. Like, he was literally coming out on Raw without the title. Fair point. You know what I mean? Yes. So it's like the last thing you want to do is have a title and have it. They, they've done a great job, I think, of, of building the Intercontinental title back up. Yeah. It's almost as strong as the internet To title. where it actually – the internet championship? Mm-hmm. The uh, uh, Zack Ryder's yes. uh, uh, prize. Yeah, I think that they've done a great job 
of rebuilding that title. And I think that's happened since probably since maybe a little before last year, WrestleMania. Um, but all year it's been strong. And the last thing you want to do is make it weak again. So now the Intercontinental title is being put in a spot where at Fastlane it can mean something. And then going into WrestleMania, the Intercontinental title can, can hold a place of importance. So I think that's, for me, why. And, and I like that it was done quickly and all right let's get it done let's pull the band-aid off and let's move on from Dean Ambrose as Intercontinental Champion because he he's just not in that world anymore he's in a different world now it's been cemented to me uh now going back to where we were before I think it's been cemented at the cost of Roman Reigns and it drives me crazy because I really think that there is potential to have Roman Reigns be a great whether he's a heel whether he's a bad guy or a good guy he can just be a great badass main event dude, but he's not being a badass. He's talking, he's smiling, he's letting his friends almost turn on him and shrugging it off. This is not at all the Roman Reigns that— One versus all. That's what I mean. Mm-hmm. He was finally one versus all for a second. Second. And it worked. But now not only is he not one versus all, he's so desperate to keep his friends that they're allowed to try to put their finishing moves on him. And you go like, what? You got to keep what? those Facebook numbers up, man. <laughs> yeah, I guess. You got to no, do guess. what you got to do. Every Twitter follower is a follower. But if, if he does make that move and, and retaliate on Ambrose, doesn't that make him put him more in a bad guy category? When he was, still when he was one versus all, he was still playing the good guy card. You know, it would be – trying to keep him in that like image. It would be interesting to see – um, how the crowd would react to him taking out Ambrose in response to Ambrose's attack. But here's your problem. Dean Ambrose can attack the guy that is being positioned as to be the heir apparent to John Cena, the guy that's being positioned as to be the next big good guy. Dean Ambrose can attack him, and the fans can cheer him. And the fans cheer him so much that if your top good guy – Hits him back, your top good guy gets booed. So is he really your top good guy anymore? No. You know what I mean? And, and what are you positioning him to be? Like, what are you doing with him? Right now, he is just elevating Dean Ambrose. And if that's what you want to do, I okay. think that came at his expense, though. Did you see it happening in the way it did? Did I – this whole – This Ambrose hype all of a sudden? No. No, I think that – they did a, a a pretty ballsy thing, keeping Ambrose and Triple H as the final two guys in the Rumble, and that's not the first time that's happened. Where it's a, where the the final two guys are a guy you did expect and a guy you did not expect, like it, like Santino and 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 mm-hmm. Alberto, but the fans love Dean Ambrose in that final moment of the Royal Rumble, and then he comes out on Raw and they love him, and it's like okay, maybe he was initially just going to be put in the triple threat match. As, well, I was the last guy standing in the Rumble, and it was just going to kind of be a blow-off, and he would go back to the Intercontinental title thing with Kevin Owens that he was doing. But the fans have responded in such a way, and WWE is responding to the fans responding. And, and, so and, it's not their fault for no, mis- mis-setting mis- mis- up. There's no miscue on Roman Reigns here. It's just it no, hap- what happened happened. No, I don't think that's true. I think that they've done right by Dean Ambrose, and they, they're doing wrong by Roman Reigns. What happened with Roman Reigns on Monday makes him weaker. Weak. It's it, it's a weak sauce move. And 
It's it, you can build both guys. If you want Dean Ambrose to be a tough guy, don't have. I mean, if you want Roman Reigns to be a tough guy, don't have Dean Ambrose lock him in the dirty deeds and have him do nothing. Don't even have the situation happen at all. You know, don't let it happen at all. You have to plant that seed that they're gonna f- they're feud with each other. That now well, maybe now's the time you turn Reigns bad guy. I don't know if it's ever gonna happen. That now's the time in my eyes. Yeah, I mean, but people said that a lot. That's like, you know, people said it a lot with John Cena. That's like, I've said turn Roman Reigns heel. I've said bring Daniel Bryan back. Those things don't happen Those sometimes. Those did not happen. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, you know, maybe there's conflicting viewpoints right now about who's in what position, but there is no doubt in my mind that Dean Ambrose's positioning has cost Roman Reigns more stock and in over the course of literally two months. Well, I think the other thing that shined through at SmackDown is yeah. his airtime. He's funny. He's great. So, but they're going to let He's, him keep riffing. Ambrose and, is good, and that's the Ambrose is good behind the mic, but this is why that they're doing right by Ambrose, but that doesn't mean that it's just happening because they're doing wrong by Roman. Ambrose is good on the mic, and he can win people over because he's fun to watch and he's entertaining to listen to. Roman Reigns is not great on the mic. He's not good. He's not somebody that you look at and go like, oh, that was funny that he just said, or, oh, I feel like I don't know what he's going to say next. Ambrose feels like he's not reading a script. He feels like he's just being Ambrose, the lunatic fringe who's out there with a live mic. Right. Roman Reigns still... Feels like he's reading off a script. Well, then have him stop talking. We already talked about this. Yes, Katie. Just don't give him a microphone. But that's what they're doing. They're giving Roman Reigns a microphone. They're having him talk. They're letting Dean Ambrose. Okay, so you, I see your point now. Put Roman Reigns the boards, in the right? double arm, DDT, mm-hmm. and then have Roman Reigns not do anything in return. Roman Reigns should be a guy that just punches people in the face. Yeah. When he was doing that, it was like, yes. When he won the world title in Philly, it was like, yeah, our guy won because he punches people in the face. That should be – it should be Roman Reigns <laughs> and a picture of him and then a quote and this is the T-shirt. And it says, I punch people in the face. And that's all – that's what he does. Uh, maybe even more of like a PG version of that for like the kid's size. It could be like less talking, more doing. Right. Right. Or – We should get royalties Like less talking, more doing. And then on the back – I punch people. In I the punch face. people in the face. I like that because it's like, dude. W- otherwise, what are you doing? Like, he's, shut up and punch people in the face. He's a Samoan monster, right? Right. So, so that's why I get upset. You're upset. You're very I upset. Got, and I was yelling. Very in the upset. Audience. So it was. It was quite awesome, actually. Going like, what's going on? Like, immediately as it happened. And then when they left the ring without Roman Reigns attacking Dean Ambrose, I was like, what's going on? Why would you do this? So, I'm, I, I, again, I you. And, 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 you know, it'll be, it'll be very interesting to see Fastlane because of this. You know, they've set it up in a way, you know, um, see, it's going back to what we talked about last week. It still is set up in a way where Dean Ambrose, you know, has got the momentum going in. Of course, Brock Lesnar can win because he can win any match. It doesn't make sense for Roman Reigns to win this match based on how it's been built. But it doesn't make sense for Triple H to not fight Roman Reigns at WrestleMania based on everything that was built outside of February. 
But then go, you're going against your own point because everything that was just built for Roman Reigns now has turned into all this whole new but that's thing a, built for Ambrose. You're so literally it's like, ignoring. You got to shift and, and move, just like you said before. But it ignores everything you set up. Like you, none of it's been paid off. Roman Reigns attacking Triple H. Triple H coming back and winning the Royal Rumble. The whole reason Triple H entered the Royal Rumble is because he was mad at Roman Reigns. The whole reason the title was on the line is because of what Roman Reigns did to Triple H and Vince McMahon. So, like, you've set this whole thing up, and then you spent all of February not talking about any of it and well, ignoring some, it. Some of us just aren't that smart, and we forget. <laughs> exactly. And we're totally okay with That's it going on the right <laughs> That's pro wrestling in a nutshell. Cool. We're, all right. We're, and I'm sitting there like a storyteller <laughs> with an arc. Quit overthinking it, man. This is gone with the wind. <laughs> it's like... It's like, you know, this is big. Jeez. Roman Reigns and Dean Ambrose used to be in a group. They were in a group together? Yeah, you got like antagonists, protagonists. You got the whole thing mapped out. Yes. And I got people not waiting for their music to come out. I don't, yeah, maybe, maybe I just am too cerebral is the word. Assassin? About the whole thing, yeah. Um, let's talk about uh, people coming and going from WWE uh, we didn't talk about it on the podcast. I talked about it. I did a bonus state of wrestling. I'll probably do another one this week. I did a bonus state of wrestling video on the YouTube channel where I talked about a couple things that we didn't address on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just like having that as an extra way to kind of connect uh, once the podcast is out there. Uh, I talked about Daniel Bryan, and we did miss a big one when we talked about who was inducting him, William Regal. Yes, um, that was made very clear to us. <laughs> very clear. You got the <laughs> tweets too, huh? Uh, but Titus O'Neil getting suspended for Which unprofessional conduct. I didn't even conduct. know about until you brought it to my attention. Yeah, it was. Uh, that was a shocker. Again, I don't want to reiterate what we did on That's the That's a smart man. I was very surprised thing. by that. Very surprised because he's, he's a very positive guy. He's always doing the the. He's dead he was dad of the year. Yeah, dad of the year stuff. Tons of positive press. So it's weird. I would love to know the real story behind that. But like I said, I talked about it on the on the YouTube thing. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of things though. Number one, and this is interesting because Raw ends, and it was a very strange way to end Raw. Raw ends setting up a Kane Big Show Ryback versus the Wyatts match. At Fastlane. Can't wait to talk to you about this. No, we sat through next to each other for the entire event, but we did not talk in depth about this. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I'm throwing it back to you. Very, very weird way to end Raw. Um, I think it's in an effort to make the Wyatts look like a bigger deal, which I don't know if, you know, I mean, the Wyatts do look like a bigger deal now than they did six You're, months ago. You can't sit there and tell me, though, that you thought that Kane was going to come out from the ring to end Raw. No, I didn't think that. Nor and would you see him paired with Big Show and Ryback. No. I mean, I get why, you know, a I think common, it's a bizarre trifecta right there. It, it's a bizarre, but the one thing they have in common is they're all enemies with the Wyatts. And so it's like an enemy of uh, a friend of, or an enemy of my enemy is my friend or whatever. I don't know. Um, I thought they were together because they were just big. <laughs> they're the big guys. <laughs> um, yeah, it was a weird way to end Raw. Uh, but... Uh, so they're trying to make the Wyatts look stronger, obviously. Right, which they've been ramping up consistently week over week. And we talked about the rumor of a possible Braum Strowman versus Undertaker WrestleMania match. Now, I thought they were going to do a Braum Strowman versus Big Show match at Fastlane to set up for the fact that Braum Strowman is a serious contender and he might get the Undertaker match. However, 
I feel like a lot has changed very quickly because John Cena put out a cryptic tweet this week that kind of hinted at the fact that he was coming back early. He put out a cryptic tweet that he was going to take a risk, lace up, let's go. That really hinted that he was coming back early. If John Cena is coming back early, he's wrestling The Undertaker at WrestleMania. Wow. And that John Cena-Undertaker match is happening at WrestleMania if he's coming back early. If you have John Cena at WrestleMania and Braun Strowman versus The Undertaker, something terribly is – something in the Matrix has gone awry. Yeah, that's a signal. Yeah. So, That'd um, be like you ordering a salad. Right. Ain't going to happen. It's not you. No, 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 no. You, you're dealing with a, with a clone if mm-hmm. that's the case, and that's your first signal. Uh, kill him on sight. <laughs> uh, but uh, – because he's probably killed me already. It's a machine, and okay. you have to get rid of him. Really driving it home. Yeah, don't. Admitting to the bit. Yeah. I respect it. Destroy him. <laughs> Light him on fire. That's what I would do in my memory. <laughs> Set him ablaze. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, it's, it, maybe we're looking at something where we have to figure out something else to do with the Wyatts because John Cena is coming back to wrestle The Undertaker. There's – I – Especially the promo package that they're showing for WrestleMania has the Undertaker's face in it and a gong. So I do feel like the Undertaker's going to be at WrestleMania. Uh, I don't think he's going into the Hall of Fame this year, which we set up last week. You know, it'll be, it'll, it'll be interesting. And I wonder if John Cena coming back is going to have anything to do with the Vincent J. McMahon Award. Oh, the Excellence Award. Yeah, because otherwise I don't know who to go to. unless it, I mean, because, you know... I don't think you give The Undertaker an award for excellence no. because it's just not his vibe. Like, the dead man doesn't get trophies. Although the Usos got Grammys, and we didn't see that coming. We didn't. We didn't realize they were even performers. Award season. And they gave it to him a week early. But, um, yeah, so I wouldn't – maybe they'll give it to John Cena. He'll make a surprise return and announce the Undertaker match. That's next week. It's the week after – it's the Monday after Fastlane. It's really when WrestleMania ramps up. And we don't have – Anything in cement for WrestleMania. Nothing. You can't even – Roman Reigns versus Triple H isn't even in cement anymore. But we knew that. We knew. We, no, 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 no. At the Royal Rumble, Roman Reigns versus Triple H was in cement. And then they broke the cement. Yeah. You know what I mean? That was pretty like – thrown in the trash. It was pretty cemented in. Exactly. Exactly. They smashed up the statue, and they only kept the head. <laughs> um – so yeah, yeah, that could be that could be what that means. And that could be why it's not a big show Braun Strowman match. It's a Wyatt's versus those three match. Um I also want to talk about the fact that a couple of people I read on uh Ryan Satin, who used to work for TMZ that now has a wrestling news site, reported that Wade Barrett is not gonna be re signing with WWE when his contract is up, which is in a couple months, and that Barrett has told people this. Um, which I think is very, very odd. I mean, very surprising. It, and it's weird in business, isn't it, to like make the announcement months in advance? Theoretically, if W, first of all, you should never really decide you're not going to sign a contract until you have to sign the contract, right? Because who knows? Last minute, you could have a change of heart. They could offer something else in. Whatever. Is that a holdout tactic? Maybe, but I don't think it'll work in WWE. Right? WWE is not known for negotiation. No, very not one-to-one. at all. Not at all. You have to really have a lot of cards to – like John Cena could negotiate, you know. But but you have to really have a lot of cards to negotiate like that. Um, so it's weird to, to kind of run yourself out of options like that. 
and and yeah, I, I, I guess I hope he doesn't leave. What would but, be but, the point of him leaving? Do you think that's a move elsewhere? Or? I think he just doesn't. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I'm sure he could pop up in TNA. It's interesting. And he's getting well. like a, another push again. Yeah, he just seems like he's over it. I guess, and that happens. I think it's short sighted. Maybe I don't know. You know, I can't speak for him, but I think he could do very well in TNA if he showed up there. Uh, I think he is the type of guy that could have a pretty significant run on the indies because wrestling fans really like him. But the problem with saying that months in advance is that now WWE has however many months they have to bring his value down as far as they possibly can. Stock, yep. Right? Yep. So they could just disappear him from TV if they want to. He's already, you know, being relegated to the League of Nations manager in tights. So... so (laughs) So I, I, I don't know, and maybe it's not true. Maybe maybe Ryan somehow got the information wrong or something, but he usually is, is on the money with stuff. Um, but what is definitely true is that this week Daniel Bryan and Brie Bella were on GMA, and they were talking about the Daniel Bryan leaving story, and a lot of it had to do with concussions and uh, post-concussion syndrome and the fact that Daniel Bryan, which we know now, was hiding uh, – seizures that were coming because of the concussions scary yeah really scary and i guess and that's why and, and hunter said this on the gma special or you know segment that the reason that those things are in place where they won't allow people like daniel bryan to come back is because a lot of people like daniel bryan would just keep pushing and pushing and pushing mm. and pushing uh but really something interesting to come off of that was brie bella on national television saying she was not going to be wrestling for WWE much longer. She was leaving. She's going to be leaving the ring soon. Um, you know, I think they're doing good in the sense that they're capitalizing on the Daniel Bryan momentum and giving Brie the title shot at Fastlane. And I love, love, love that Charlotte interrupted oh, her you, Daniel Bryan appreciation speech. I mean, you know how much I love when sentimental moments get ruined in wrestling. It's my favorite thing in the world. That's what wrestling is all about for me. Like taking a real, like, oh, this is really sweet. I'm gl-. like, oh, good. This isn't wrestling anymore. This is real life. Nope, it's wrestling because that's <laughs> the bad guy's music. And I'm like, yes, boo, boo, you did something bad. I love this. Uh, so I, I mean, when Charlotte came out in the middle of the Daniel Bryan appreciation, I thought that was the perfect timing. Perfect spot for her. Makes us care about the Divas title match. Um, I, you know, I don't think Bree's going to win the match. And I actually thought that was a really strong back and forth. I thought it was a great segment. Really good. Yeah, and because there was real emotion. Yeah. That's what it has to be. We really have to care. So we should just keep insulting people when they're and, and kick them when they're down. Yes, if you're a bad guy. Right. Yes. I see what you're saying, Sam. Yes, and that's why I talked to Charlotte on the podcast. Charlotte was with me. In the sense that she didn't have a problem when they months ago when they brought up her brother dying. She was <sighs> like, it's wrestling, and she didn't really like that all the fans got mad at her for it. Because a lot of fans got mad at her. But that's you know neither here nor there. That's months right. ago. Um, but yeah, so I thought that was just, just wonderful and, and so pro-wrestling and great. Um, I would imagine, though, that you know this will be kind of winding down Brie Bella a little bit. They'll get the sort of we miss you Daniel Bryan stuff. They'll use it now, and then that'll kind of be the last hurrah for Brie, which is upsetting to me because everybody who listens to this podcast knows I stay in Brie, Brie mode. mode. I mean, I love Brie mode. Brie mode. 
You saw me. The fact that they've been. I, I, I love that she's it. a singles wrestler now, mm -hmm. so her music gets played again. So good, so good. Uh, so yeah, I guess those are uh, those are the reflections on what's been happening. Um, very excited for Russell Pro. Yes. Here on the East Coast, that I mean, there on the East Coast, that Pat Buck is uh, is bringing. Um, Oh, real quick, because I promised mm -hmm. I would talk about this on the YouTube show. CM Punk, did you hear about his fight? Do tell. Has been delayed again. So CM Punk promised that he would fight in 2015. He was originally thinking he would fight around November of 2015. I believe he injured his hand. He sustained some kind of injury in training. Push off the fight. Can't get it done. Okay, fine. So then they announced that this summer CM Punk is going to make his debut fight with UFC. They go so far as to announce his opponent. They said this is the fight. I think it was maybe August. I don't remember what month. But it, it's, it's, it's happening this summer. Here's the day it's happening. Here's who his opponent is. A week ago or so, Punk announces that he's getting back surgery. So he's got to push That's it off joke. again. Yeah, it's back surgery. He said he's been pushing it off and pushing it off. He doesn't want to go under the knife. He's got the old pro wrestler mentality of work through it, work through it, work through it. But I don't think that works in MMA. Um, and this has left me questioning if, you know, how he's going to have a UFC career when he's got wrestler injuries. He's got He's got the ailments. Like I'm sure that he feels a lot better now that he's off the road and he's blah, blah, blah. But what is that back injury? It's years of wrestling. Is it? It's not something niche specific. I don't know. I mean, he addressed it. You know, when he left WWE and did the Colt Cabana podcast, he addressed that Ryback had <laughs> messed up his back. Um, but I don't know. I mean, CM Punk spent however long, twelve, fifteen years, sure. wrestling night in, night out, night in, night out. And what happens is, and you see it with everybody. Any wrestler will tell you that you're invincible when you're young. And all of a sudden, the injuries start to catch up with you. And Punk is in his 30s, you know. And 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 I I worry because I want to see Punk do well in UFC, not only because I'm a fan of CM Punk, but because it's good for everyone. It's good for UFC. It's kind of good for WWE if CM Punk does well in mm -hmm. UFC. Uh, but I, I, I worry now that he's not really going to be able – that the reality is he's not going to be able to do much in UFC – because he's got a lifetime of being a pro wrestler injuries. Brock went to UFC after being a pro wrestler for all of whatever, two, three years. Not 15. Not doing the indies. Not doing crazy stuff. Not getting injured. Like, like just doing a WWE schedule for a couple of years. Then he took a break. Then he went to the UFC. And there's a big difference between working for a couple of years in WWE and spending your lifetime doing it and working in gyms and working in we'll give him a few more years for that shooting star press he attempted <laughs> yeah that, that that was a few extra years that did so knock a couple of years off his career no you're one. right you're right but i mean you know brock had to leave ufc because of diverticulitis and the reality was that that's something that you can wrestle through you can be a pro wrestler with diverticulitis mm. but you cannot be an mma fighter with diverticulitis because any physical weakness 
What is that exactly? Diverticulitis. Yeah. It's when they have they literally have to take out a section of your intestine. Oh. Because it, 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 it stuff gets. It's like when you eat an all meat and nut diet, your colon and and intestine gets impacted with stuff because there's not a lot of roughage going through you. That's what I've read, and it starts to literally scrape against the walls of your intestine. And you have to get a piece of your intestine taken out. People die from diverticulitis if it's not treated. Jeez. You have to get a piece of your intestine. And if you saw Brock's last UFC fight, I think it was against Alistair Overeem. I might be wrong because I'm not a UFC expert. But I think the Alistair Overeem fight, I think Alistair Overeem was the guy who kind of chased him away a little bit, if you're being honest. Because Brock, Brock leaves UFC for like a year or more to take care of this diverticulitis. He has a surgery. He takes care of it. He trains again. He goes back in. He gets hit in the gut. F. Because that's um, instantly. I mean, first round. He gets hit in the gut. Well, is he gunning for it during that fight? One hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. Alistair is like, okay, that's that's your weakness. I know you got surgery on your gut. I'm hitting you there as hard as I can. And he did it. And he just like I've never seen an expression on on, on Brock's face. He just grabs, oh, and just collapses. And he was done. And at that moment, you know, okay, I can't, I can't do this. So, you know, the reality of the situation being, I mean, it's the same thing with like, you know, CM Punk traveled the same roads that Daniel Bryan traveled. And Daniel Bryan can't even pro wrestle anymore. So, you know, you have to wonder realistically what, if CM Punk can fight, how long can he fight for without these injuries that don't go away? rearing their ugly head and to have back surgery in your 30s before your first fight while you're training mm. it's a real setback i mean you've had problems with your back and you're just a person broken yeah you well, broke and your back the, the scary part is with with what you we learned what extra was happening with daniel bryan on the side who knows that's only the surface stuff that we know about cm punk exactly who knows because obviously the dudes had concussions so it's like that's 100 percent right who knows what else is going on, and that's what happens. Who knows? You know, he used his knees. Like, like his finishing move in Ring of Honor was the Pepsi plunge, which was a pedigree off the top rope, which means you're jumping off the top rope and landing on your knees, which is not good long-term for your knees. That's why he didn't, for the meniscus. That's, yes. That's why he didn't do it in WWE. He never did that move in WWE because it's, it's not good for you. And it's like, you know... Pro wrestling leaves a toll on you, and that's why most people give their lives to pro wrestling. The only reason to become a pro wrestler is either you're like a freak of nature who can make quick money like Brock Lesnar, or you love pro wrestling and you're giving your life to it. And CM Punk at a time loved pro wrestling and wanted to give his life to it, and he did. Then he fell out of love with it and I guess has fallen in love with something else. But pro wrestling is a vindictive lover that comes with a lot of baggage. Wow. wow. How good was that? That was intense. That's why I'm a professional broadcaster. You are. But that's what it is. That's what it is. And, you know, I want CM Punk to succeed because I like CM Punk and because I, because I think it'll be good for everyone involved. But I worry. I worry. I'm like a Jewish mother. I worry. I worry so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see. Uh, Katie Linendahl. 
I appreciate you being here always. I would like a vindictive lover. You would, right? Yeah, that sounds great. Just just a vindictive lover that comes I'm not with sure baggage. What it means, but yeah. Like just so you can get into a relationship and just tell the man, I want you to know yeah. that I we're in love, but I need you to know not for long that I come with a lot. <laughs> I mean, honestly, right now it's probably be tough for you to get in a relationship just because you're like, look, I need you to know I hang out with Sam Roberts a lot. Right. And people go like, "What? It's, Why?" It's a big deterrent. Yeah, exactly. It right now, speak volumes for me, to be honest. I'm kind of your baggage, yeah. and I take pride in that role. Probably not doing the greatest things for your social life. No. But I like that. I like chaos. I'm I'm willing to keep up that loyalty, though. I appreciate that very, very much, Katie. That's 100%. why I appreciate you so much. You know, you can check out Katie's podcast. If you type in the URL, katie.show, you can also go to iTunes. URL is like when you type in a website on a, on a, on a, on a web browser. Mm-hmm. You can also go to iTunes and write katie.show. You can find her amazing tech lifestyle podcast. Um, I got a lot of f- tweets on my end when we were talking about uh, uh, Zika yes. and what a, what a farce it is. I don't even care if I have <laughs> Zika anymore. It's gone in four days. I might not even get it. We, we myth-busted that. Yeah. The guy was like, yeah, it could be a real problem. And I'm like, no, it couldn't. You were over it's, it. It's gone in four days. It's the flu. <laughs> Pregnant women aren't supposed to get the flu either. We make we make intense topics very funny and break it down. Yes, 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 because I'm stupid. So I speak for all of you. <laughs> you know, we're stupid together. And Katie's like, oh, let's have this intellectual conversation. I'm you guys going, what are you talking about? Like, oh, you mean like Jurassic Park or whatever it is. Yeah, that's what we mean, sure. Whatever it is. So uh, check out Katie's show. It's great. Uh, and you can follow her at Katie Linendahl on all forms of social media. Thank you much, Katie. Thank you. And uh, we will see you next week here on the State of Wrestling, part of Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Chowski. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Follow at NotSam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. And subscribe for free to listen every week to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast.